What comes to mind is knowing that my friends who weren't doing internships, they were during the summer, especially, they're just hanging out, they're just drinking, they're just going to pool parties. But for me, it was, I never had the option to go and just hang out during the day. It's like, I have some work to do. And then I know I got to be up early, so I can't hang out at night either. You know, maybe they'll go to a house party at night. And of course, it sounds really fun. And of course, I wanted to be there, but I knew it was a sacrifice that I had to make. So I'd go and hang out with them for 30 minutes to an hour, two hours, whatever it is. But I wasn't going to, you know, get super drunk and then miss, you know, my appointment the next day at 7 a.m. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence podcast. This show is for current and aspiring leaders that are dedicated to showing up every day in their lives with excellence. We break down the careers of those excelling so you can understand what is out there and how to rise up in every field you choose. Let's get the show on the road, shall we? Your host has spent his life promoting global entrepreneurship, helping 20-somethings find their passion and working to help others achieve excellence. CEO of CollegeWorks, Matt Stewart. Thank you so much for listening to the show and please share it with your friends. We are on a mission to help people understand what careers are and what careers are out there. And today we got a great show. Someone starting off in their career, someone that chose sales. And Jacob's going to talk about his path to his career in sales and what it really means to be in sales. He's going to talk about the job search process and how long it takes and how difficult it is, even if you've got a great resume. And he's going to talk about developing pride in yourself as part of his definition of excellence. You can find Jacob at LinkedIn, Jacob Abdul Massah. Welcome to the show and welcome to the Edge of Excellence. Jacob, thank you so much for taking time away from your busy job down in beautiful San Diego. I'm assuming it's sunny today. It's not raining anymore down there. No, sir. It is beautiful, like always. We had a couple of days of rain, which was surprising. You get 20 days of rain and 345 days of beauty in San Diego. And Jacob moved from Chico all the way down to San Diego for his tech sales career. Thank you so much for making time for the show and being on the edge of excellence. Thanks for having me, Matt. I'm excited to be here. It's been a while. I saw you at a wedding. I actually have talked about that wedding, maybe even on this show way back when, where everybody was wearing College Works blue because they had all worked at College Works. And what a cool experience that was to walk into a wedding where people didn't even work there anymore. And they're all wearing the color of the company that they worked at in college. And you and I spent a lot of time talking at that wedding. So I'm glad I have you on the show. But before I start rambling on too much, like I always do, I got to get your definition of excellence. What is your definition of excellence? Yeah, excellence to me, it's defined by going above and beyond what your original goal is. I think a lot of people will set goals for themselves, but they have the capacity to do more. It's about sacrificing when you really don't want to. It's taking the extra steps beyond what you originally planned for yourself. And I think that's how you can define excellence. And it's being proud of yourself of what you've been able to achieve over time. Oh, I love that. Proud of yourself. And you know what? Everybody should have that in their definition of excellence. I don't know if I've heard that. Everybody should have proud of yourself. It's first comes down to you. Are you proud of what you're doing? Are you proud of the results? Are you proud of the impact on the community, the people around you, your job, your family? Because if so, that might be an indicator 
that you're achieving or you're on the edge of excellence. I also love beyond your original goal. So you're adjusting your perception of how well you're doing, how well other people are doing around you, what is excellent as you're moving forward and maybe even ratcheting up. It's, it's that horizon. You're never quite there. You're always on the edge, right? Yeah, definitely. I think it's just about coming in hungry into any situation. You know, sometimes you're not going to want to do a particular job, but then you know that in the future it is going to help you. Something like college works, it's extremely difficult. And most people that do it say how it's the most difficult thing they've ever done. But they also understand that how good it looks on a resume, the networking that you gain from it. So it's all these things that you have to do in order to really help yourself for the future. Yeah, it's way more fun to kick it at home and watch every game and go to every party and drink every beer than go out and generate leads and do sales and deal with rejection and have to hire and fire and you know make your own money. So it's that sacrifice when you don't want to. And by the way, is there ever a sacrifice that you want? I don't think so. It's always when you don't want to. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's maybe it's not a sacrifice. Maybe it's balance. Maybe it's uh, long-term planning. Maybe it's thinking ahead. I, I love the proud of yourself. And you know we're going to get into your career. A little bit of a different show today. Uh, you're at the start of your career, and we're going to use you to study the path to a full-time sales job. You chose sales and technology. You can choose sales and anything. You've had a few different. You had a car wash that you bought right out of school, which is super cool. You were an entrepreneur right away, selling car washes. You worked at College Works selling paint shops. Now you're in tech. So we're going to talk about that path. Um, but before we do, let's go way, way, way back in time, like six years ago to uh, high school. Well, I guess it would be more than six. No, about six years ago, high school in Chico, California, born and raised in Chico, went to Chico State, which was Playboy's party school of the year when I was in college. What was life like? What were you doing to get ahead? Did you know you needed to get ahead? Were you just fitting in? What was going on when you were in high school? Were you on the road to excellence or not really? Yeah, definitely. I think in high school, not many people really think about what they want to do for a career. And so they don't take high school super seriously. But coming from a family of immigrants, they're really demanding people. You know, They expect you to kind of know what you want to do ever since you're a kid. And they always demanded, you know, good grades and to be able to go to the good school and to get the good grades there and to overachieve and achieve more than what other people are doing. So in high school, you know, I always knew ever since I was really a little kid that I wanted to run my own business. You know, my father, he runs one now and, you know, elementary school, they like ask you like, what do you want to do for a living? And this is when you're just first starting how to learn how to write. And I was saying how I want to you know, run a business like my dad. And so by the time I got into college, you know, freshman year, when somebody just walked into my door saying that, hey, there's an internship, you get to run your own business, it's pretty cool. I was like, yeah, like, I, of course, want to take that opportunity to fit right into what I want to do. And by doing that, it really taught me a lot. But it most importantly taught me that I love communicating with people and building these relationships, which, you know, leads into sales. And that's why I like doing it so much. Yeah. Interesting. You just kind of hit a, not a pain point, but a marker for me, you know, that pressure. And I think about this a lot. I've got a lot of super successful friends and I think, wow, what pressure on their kids to be as successful as their parents. And I've got some really successful second and third generation friends where, you know, they're out there trying to kick butt and, you know, continue the legacy. And I think about the pressure just on 
kids today, I mean, I say kids, but, you know, people in their teens and 20s, you know, there's just so much going on with, we won't even get into social media, but I'm on a one-man journey to end Instagram. Just the pressure of, just the fake pressure of look as good as me, have as much fun as me, go on a vacation. I mean, you're getting their best snapshots. They're not taking a picture of themselves laying in bed doing homework. They're not taking a picture of themselves when they don't go on a vacation. They're taking a picture of themselves on that beach that they went to for the vacation. And there's just so much pressure. Do you think that the pressure, and, and you said immigrant family, and you mentioned that a lot of immigrant families have this pressure to get the grades, the schools, and to know what you're doing and figure it out. Was that pressure good for you or was it not so constructive for you? No, I think it was constructive because I think without them, I wouldn't be able to achieve what I have done. You know, it, there's obviously thoughts of like, oh man, I want to quit this job because I don't like it. But it's not about whether or not you like it at the time when you're young. It's about achieving these goals and setting yourself up for the future. So, you know, it was a lot of constructive criticism that I got growing up and you know, it was really helpful. If they didn't push me to where I'm at, then I wouldn't be here without them. Yeah. So, I mean, I think pressure's good. And, you know, I think this generation, the new Gen Z generation, your generation has had to deal with a lot of stuff my generation didn't have to. When I was a kid, my parents didn't really pressure me at all. I think they were more kind of holding the reins and I was like a bucking Bronco, but I pressured myself. I wanted to kick everybody's butt around me and I wanted to show everybody that I was better because I felt lesser, right? I had an ego issue then and I still want to rub it in some of their faces, um, but I've gotten over it a little bit. So I guess you get pressure where you get it. Mine might not have been so constructive because it wasn't coming from my family. It was coming from outside and I was you know, processing it, you were getting it from your family, probably in a loving way and probably in a strategic way. And you figured out early that you wanted to own your own business. You've already owned your own business. So obviously it worked. You've already done a lot of stuff and, you know, buying a business right out of college is kind of crazy. Good on you. So you're, you're in high school, you're getting the grades, you got to figure stuff out. You're loving living in Chico, California, and you decide to go to Chico State. What, what did you do in high school that kind of set yourself apart um, so you could get into the Cal State and the UC system? Yeah, I think it was just being a part of a different activities. Like I loved basketball growing up. That was something I always did. So being able to be a part of the team and then also taking like the AP classes. So, you know, you take a test at the end of the year. I'm not sure if you know how it works, but you take a test. And if you pass it, you get credit towards college. And I was able to do enough of those classes and pass enough of those tests to where I was actually a semester ahead by the time I got into Chico State. On the app, you have to list your AP classes. So they know that you're taking the hard classes. Um, you got the sports. And I love that you said team. So you have this team interaction. You're doing the clubs and stuff too? Yeah. So it was more or less clubs, but um, more towards the sports. And you know, by the time I was in college, you know, being a semester ahead, it was allowed me to pick up a minor in information systems and just do the four years. I didn't have to stay longer than that. But yeah, just staying involved, you know, making a lot of friends throughout high school. It was, you know, definitely a really fun time in high school. I'd, yeah, I know a lot of people sometimes didn't have the experience I had. So I was pretty grateful for having the people that were around me. So you're having fun. You're focused on 
um, your future career. You're going above and beyond in the things you're doing. You're sacrificing when you don't want to. And you get into college, you're a semester ahead. And you get into finance, which I think finance is a wonderful major if you're of that mindset. Like my son's not a finance major. I'm not a finance major. You know, we're just, we just don't think that way. We take a bunch of math classes, do pretty well. Um, you know, stats kind of killed both of us. Econ was a little rough. Now I'm in business and it makes more sense now, but it took a few years. You're of the mindset, you go in with a finance major, you throw in this information systems minor. Was that because you knew one day you'd want to work at iMatrix and be out selling uh, marketing platforms for businesses? Or what drew you to information systems? Was that forward thinking or was it kind of accidental? It was both. It was accidental because during high school, we actually went to Chico State and took a little class on the type of software that they're teaching us. And it was pretty interesting to me, and but I didn't have that declared until my junior year because I was like, looking back at it, I was like, I had a pretty fun time that day. I might as well try it out. I got nothing to lose. And, you know, I ended up really liking it. And then, yeah, I was like, well, I do want to be in the field of technology. It's obviously a very lucrative business. It's where the world is going is that you're going to need to understand technology if you want to do well. Okay. So you kind of stumble across it. Someone opens the door. That's the first step. You got to be out there looking. You got to have options. You got to be trying different things out to figure out what you like and what you're good at. Then you find out, hey, I kind of like this and I'm kind of good at it. That's the second step. What's your unique ability? Something you're good at that you like. That's the definition of unique ability. Other people might be good at it and hate it. It's not a unique ability. Other people might like it and not be good at it. Not a unique ability. But you've got this unique ability in information systems. And then the capper is you got to stop and pause. Third step think strategically. If you're good at making wooden tires, you got to stop and say, hey, there's no market for this. If you're good at, I, I don't know, uh, um, making non-flying cars, that's uh, not as good at being good at making flying cars. So you stop and you say, okay, I like this information systems. I'm good at it. I'm going to throw this in as a minor because technology is changing the world and it's going to open some doors. Finance, you probably wanted to go into banking or something like that and finance. You're in sales. You're in you're you're focused on your minor, not your major. So that's because life changed as you're going through four years, right? You you came and worked with me and realized, shit, I'm pretty good at sales. It's one of my unique abilities. Is that what happened? Yeah, definitely. So I really always enjoyed talking to people. I never thought, oh, I want to go be a salesman. But through college works really helped me understand that. This is something I love building relationships with people. And I love talking to people and helping them out as much as helping me out making money. And then, yeah, the technology side of it, it meshes really well being in the tech sales space. You know, it's the best of both worlds for me. So it's just worked out pretty well. And you still have the finance background. So, you know, when you go to do real estate investment, let's say on the side, or you go to do stock investment, or you're looking at the, the market and the, and the interest rates, it's not like that degree was a waste. That degree is going to come in handy as you move into the executive role, dealing with the CFO and the finance team and the accounting team. And it comes in handy on the side. So you got, I mean, most people don't do their degree. I'm not a lawyer. I have political science and history. I'm definitely not a historian, although I do read a lot of history and watch a lot of history books. But that's just this wonderful major that maybe you're not using, but you'll be able to lean on for the rest of your life, right? Oh, for sure. You know, I think that down the line, when I do talk to these executives and, you know, I'd be, I'm going to be able to connect with them 
on a deeper level because I have that background. And then even further down the line, when I, you know, run, when I want to run my own business again, I can read financial statements. I understand what it needs to take in order to have, you know, profit and all these kinds of things that people who want to run their own business, but then don't know how to run the numbers. They're going to have a lot more trouble doing that. Yeah. I mean, you work, you're working at iMatrix selling these um, clinics, a marketing platform and a marketing system that costs money. And you got to understand what's going on with interest in the world today and what's going on with their with their costs and their profit margins and what you're delivering as an ROI compared to other options that they have and understand and crunch the numbers. So the executive that you're talking to knows that you're bringing value, not just some random thing you're selling. Well, I think that's wonderful. And and by the way, I just got to stop for a second. Jacob and I, uh, Jacob look, hooked me up on LinkedIn, I think two days ago, and I hadn't seen him for a while since that wedding, hadn't heard from him. And I thought, God, I love this guy. As we're talking right now, I'm reminded of talking to you at the wedding, talking in Cancun, talking at different events. God, I'm glad you reached out to me on LinkedIn. I love you. are just like an energizing guy. So it's so nice to have you. Thanks again for making time for the show today. Yeah, of course. Thank you. And I honestly didn't know I didn't have you on LinkedIn. I just ran across your profile and it says like connect. And I was like, I'm not connected with Matt Stewart. Like immediately pressed the button. You know why? Because I, I don't connect with people on LinkedIn uh, when they work in our business because sometimes they try to steal people from our business. I wait till later. So that might be, you probably re- uh, requested it a while ago and I just had never said yes. I don't tell people that, but now everybody knows it listens to the show. <laughs> Are you enjoying the show thus far? We go through so many resources and links with this podcast, it's tough to keep up. I get it. That's why Matt and the rest of the team put together the Edge of Excellence Bundle. In it, you'll find different tools that relate to overarching themes and topics of the show. Things like disk assessment tools, time management strategies and tactics, stress and anxiety management tools, exclusive videos and episodes from this podcast that is not released anywhere else, and so much more. The best part? As a valued listener of the show, you can access the Edge of Excellence bundle 100% for free of charge. That's right, for simply being awesome and tuning in. To get access, all you have to do is go to www.collegeworks.com podcast and fill out the short form there for us to get the bundle over to you. Once again, it's www.collegeworks.com podcast. Now, back to the show. Let's talk a little bit just about the path. I mean, you're a little bit younger than a lot of people that come on the show, um, but I think it's interesting to listen to talk about the path. So you're in college, you start this, find these unique abilities, you've got these focuses, you knew you needed to get ahead. One of our people comes into your uh, classroom, you decide to do this weird painting thing, the college works thing. You know, why did you do the college works thing? Most people that listen to this show, there is no college works option for them. So they could be thinking about a really tough internship, or they could be thinking about a real world internship where you're dealing with real world issues and not shadowing or not doing uh, clerical work, but really in the role, in the leadership role. And there may be one or two other internships they can find out there. Uh, but why did you choose to do such a hard internship? What was going on in your mind when you're in college? Was it that strategic outlook looking far and you mentioned you wanted to run a business and you didn't want to be a salesman but at college works always starts with marketing and sales so 
Uh, why did you choose that to kind of set yourself apart and how did that work out for you? Yeah, I think with CollegeWorks, what makes it so unique is your ability to gain knowledge in all different aspects of business. So when it came down to it, I always knew that in order to make myself unique, I can't just graduate college without having any real world experience. So I had to add that to my resume pretty early on. And I was just lucky that I got that opportunity at 18 to run my own house painting business and then come back at 19 and be a district manager. And How old were your employees? How old were your employees? You're 18 years old. How old were your employees? My uh, painters, they're probably like 20, 21. Okay. So a little bit, yeah, a little bit older than me. I don't think I had anybody that was younger than me as a painter. But pretty cool. You're the boss at 18. All right. Yeah. So again, it just has to do with me knowing that when I graduate from Chico State, that's not a very high level school that I need to still be unique in a certain way. There's a lot of people that graduated in finance from Chico State, but not a lot of those people are actually looking towards their future. They're doing a lot more partying rather than internships. And, you know, I had to pick one and I knew that um, doing a really difficult internship would pay out a lot more in the long run. Interesting that you said it that way. Interesting that you said it that way. So I went to UCSB, number 32 in the country. Chico's probably 100, right? Um, and yeah, maybe even lower. Who knows? And there's thousands. So there's thousands of schools, but it's a realistic outlook. If you're in Harvard, different companies recruit out of Harvard than UCSB. And my brother used to work at Microsoft. Microsoft only recruits in the top 10, maybe 12 universities. You're not even getting, they're not even showing up to do an interview at UCSB. And UCSB is a great school. You know, Chico, there's companies that aren't going to show up there. But maybe you go to Chico because of economics and, you, and you're living at home. Maybe you go to Chico because of exposure. And, and, and you asked me if I know about how the application process works. Yes, because I work with high school kids and help them get into college as a hobby of mine. So I, it's my kids' friends and my friends' kids. And, you know, I'm constantly looking at the applications and I'm, I'm helping these kids. Some kids don't have the help. That's why I do it. Some kids are on their own. It's harder to get into those top-notch schools if you don't have somebody looking at your essays. So who knows why, but you get to wherever you're going to school. And maybe it's in Michigan. Maybe it's in Kansas. Maybe it's in California. But if you're not in a top 20 school, which most people aren't, um, you've got to figure out how to set yourself apart. So you realize, I got to do something to really set myself apart. You realize a lot of people are screwing up. You realize I want some opportunities that maybe aren't just thrown at me at Chico that I need to kind of wave a flag and say, hey, throw the opportunity at me. And serendipitously, you find this weird business thing to do. And then you go out there and you do the sales and you have the um, employees. And then you got promoted. And at 19, you get to be one of the mentors then. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Wow. And uh, what did you take out of that role that you didn't get out of the initial branch manager internship role? Um, well, you know, as a DM, you are mentoring people that are trying to also run their own business rather than me just managing painters, you know, teaching them how to spray a wall. And I'm, I'm now teaching these people how to do the sales. And I only became confident in my sales ability as a district manager because I was now having to teach people how to do it. You know, I did well as an intern doing the sales because I was just able to connect with people on a peer-to-peer -peer level. But the actual sales cycle was something that I learned much more as a district manager. Yeah. So, you know, you've got you've got the VP help too. So district manager, you're constantly have this person kind of helping, I would say looking over your shoulder, but that sounds wrong. Um, helping lift you up, helping you do a better job, 
um, helping you mentor these other people and helping teach you how to be a better mentor. And I've, I've heard that many times before that if you teach something, it firms in your own mind and you become more competent in that area. What was your biggest struggle that you had? You know, and I pausing on college works here because it's recruiting season so people can listen to this. We're going to get into stuff for people that can't go to college works. But think about struggles in business. If you can't do college works or you're never going to do college works, listen to the struggle that he had. Apply it to your own life. If you're in your car listening at 1.5 speed right now, what was the biggest struggle you had at college works? How'd you get through it? What'd you learn? And how do you apply it to your new job today? Yeah, probably the biggest struggle is getting yourself out of bed and going to do another day of marketing. You know, it's not fun at first, but, and when you don't have any results, when you look at, when you log into college works and it just says zero sales, well, you got to think of the long-term vision. It's like, Hey, I got time, but right now I have to put in as much effort as possible. You know, I can't go out there and market or do sales for eight, for eight hours. I have to go do it for 10 hours. So it's pushing yourself to do those extra little things. And like how I said at the beginning, making those sacrifices and being excellent rather than just being good. Yeah, it's funny that you say that. There's so many things that I look at the board and I have zeros on. And I don't think, oh my God, this is horrible. Or so many things that I start moving forward with. And you know, I get to a point where I, yeah, you know, just nothing's really happening. And I just think of that as a phase. It's like a, it's like just a, a period of the process. But when it's the first time, it feels like just it's all going to come crashing down. So part of that experience is learning that, okay, now I'm at iMatrix. I haven't gotten any leads yet. Now I'm at iMatrix. I haven't closed anything yet. Okay, this is part of the process. I don't need to you know, lose my confidence. I don't need to close down. I don't need to give up on myself. I just have to get through this phase to get to the successful phase. Yeah, definitely. You can come in hungry into any situation, but it's staying motivated. You know, people have different learning curves. I was able to, you know, close my first three out of five estimates as an intern, but then I hit a huge slump for like three, four weeks. I was like, wow, I can't sell anything. And you just got to get back to the basics and keep your head up and stay motivated. That's a big thing with sales is that there are just going to be times it's cyclical. So you just have to be able to keep going and looking at the long-term vision. Yeah, failure is a phase. And someone on my podcast said, you know, when you're at your low, that's when you really, really realize how much you can do. If you get through it, if you get through it, if you've never had the low, you don't know what the high is. But maybe that I mean, as you're as you're talking, I'm thinking maybe that was one of my big college works takeaways because I sucked at everything at college works. And now whenever I suck, I just think, OK, I'm going to be pretty good later. Um, you get that confidence. And there are people that give up. You know, they make it to where you were in that three weeks. They're like, okay, I can't do this. I got to give up. I wonder what happens if you give up versus if you crank it out and you're successful. Yeah. I mean, nothing good really ever comes from just giving up. You know, once you hit that rock bottom, it really shows you how much you really want it, how much you want to succeed. Yeah. Because a lot of a lot of people will quit and it just ends up not being worth it for them. But looking back at it, now it's like, I wish I did an extra hour of marketing. I wish I set up an extra estimate because down the line, it's not going to really matter what you did back then if you just quit, you know, but right now it's paying dividends for me being able to stick it out. But let's get into that because I, I mean, I know a little bit about your work history and I'm thinking about my beautiful, angelic, wonderful goddaughter, who's I think on month month two or three of looking for a job. And she was so frustrated, like three weeks into it. 
And uh, she worked She worked here at our office. I told her she wasn't allowed to do that anymore. She didn't really look for jobs over the course of the summer. And I told her, don't worry about it. Take your break. And then she started looking for the job and she was getting a little down and losing confidence because it didn't happen immediately. And you had a similar experience. You get out of college and you, and you bought your car wash in college or after college? It was in college. It was during my junior and senior year of college that I ran it. And then by the time I graduated college, I moved down to San Diego and started um, you know, doing tech sales. Okay. So you made enough money at college work, saved up, buy a car wash, great investment. Um, and you, you got another family member running that now that you're in partnership with. You decide you want to move down and start this different career. And you start off at uh, a cybersecurity tech sales business. And four months in, it's not really a good fit. And you leave. And probably didn't feel good and probably felt depressed and probably were wondering, why did I move to San Diego and what's going on with my life? And then you start going through the process of getting another job. And now you got this sweet job at iMatrix and you're on this path from self-development resource, which is marketing. You know, you've done it before. You didn't like it, didn't love it then, but you know, it's a, a step in the next direction to becoming an account executive, ma a manager, and maybe never even starting your own business, becoming an executive at iMatrix because you like working there so much. Um, how did failure early in life, you know, at the college works or probably at college works is a good one where nothing seemed to be going even worse when you're good and then you're bad, you go three for five and then nothing, even worse than me, I went over 24. How did that failure or that lack of success, maybe a better phrase, help you with having to leave one company and then that tedious job search that tends to take a lot longer than people thought think it will take? Yeah, I didn't realize how long the job search really is. You know, your goddaughter has been searching for two, three months. The reason why I was able to get this job is because I considered the unemployment a full-time job, you know, making a full-time job to find what I want to do and find that right, you know, business. You shouldn't expect to go into your first interview and then get that job. Like you're going to, like how I did, interview with four or five different companies and finally get the one that I'm excited for. Yeah. And so she, I mean, she put some time in. So first she didn't do anything. Then she uh, got an interview with the company from me and put all her eggs in that basket. Turns out the company is nowhere near as big as we thought it was. It had like 20 employees. They weren't hiring. Um, so she got another interview for me. That didn't work out either. And she was kind of counting on that. And then the reality set in. And I think she put out, I think she had over a hundred companies that talked to her after getting her resume. And she sent out hundreds of resumes. She went to Arizona because she wants to live in Arizona. She's been there for weeks. Um, she's I mean, it's like literally 25 resumes to one call and 10 calls to one in-person meeting. And, you know, through this, there's the frustration, but there's also the practice. And she wasn't very confident um, and she wasn't doing well, you know, visibly well when it comes to, you know, sitting in an interview setting. You're not thinking this person's going to just take charge, but now she is through the process. Now she is. So um, you only had to interview with five companies to get this sweet job partially because you had a great resume. Um, if someone's coming out of college and they're not quite on the edge of excellence yet and they haven't done some things, it might take longer. But you'd failed before and you'd been through it before and that kind of gave you confidence. Did you ever give up? Did you ever think it was never going to work out and you're going to have to move back in with mom and dad? No, I didn't want to give myself the option of giving up and going back to her, uh, to Chico and living with my parents again. 
I didn't want to give myself that option because it means that I failed. And I knew that in five years when I'm you know doing good again, it's, it means that I didn't try hard enough. You know, you could always feel bad about yourself, not getting the job opportunities that you want or not having your entry level position be exactly what you want to do for a career. But yet at the end of the day, you have to just kind of realize that, Hey, I'm going to have to work extra hard to get what I want. And that's kind of how I thought of it. I didn't want to give myself an, another option. I want, I knew that I had to make rent. I have to stay here and, um, you know, figure it out. Yeah. You're out of college and right out of college, you graduated in 2022. You had the wonderful COVID experience in college. Um, but if you're listening right now and you haven't had the experiences, it's time to go get them. It, the success is about learning how to deal with failures. Finding your career is about trying things out that maybe you don't want to do um, and figuring out what you do want to do. Jacob went into finance and information systems and found sales. You're listening. You're listening to the podcast right now. Probably is not going to be sales that you find. What is it? Uh, you got to go try some things out. So now you're in this uh, sales development resource position at iMatrix. And iMatrix, I think I got it right. Um, they're helping medical clinics, veterinary clinics, be visible online, visible to their consumers, uh, help helping generate reviews, helping generate leads, and you're going to these organizations and helping them see the opportunity to work with iMatrix, right? Yeah, exactly. As a whole, it's a digital marketing solution through different types of uh, people in the healthcare field. So, you know, we so just want to help. The mm -hmm. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that, yeah, you hit it pretty spot on. You know, we're doing a lots of different uh, services for them in order to really help increase revenue for their business and, and market themselves better. You know, uh, doctors most of the time aren't businessmen. So we help that side of the business for them. Yeah, a lot of doctors are doctors and, and they didn't take the steps to be business people that are doctors. Now, some of them did. Um, a lot of veterinarians, you know, they don't want to do, some of them don't want to do that. So you're coming in and, and you said, and I think this sums up sales pretty well. It's you're building a relationship out of respect, out of desire to help, out of lifting, right? That's what a good salesperson is. You're not coming in to sell some crap that nobody wants. That's a bad salesperson. You're helping people understand how their problem will be solved by whatever you're selling. And it could be any number of things. In your case, it's a tech platform for marketing. And then you develop a relationship where you're continuing to solve their problem. And so you found out through all your experiences that you, you already said, love relationships. You, I know you, you like helping people. You were a district manager, which is a job. You, know, you could have done it again and you know, just made a bunch of money for yourself, but you want to lift other people. And through that process, you've identified sales as something that will allow you to exercise. I guess it would be your values and your passions, making relationships, helping the world, helping people. And then, as you said, as a byproduct, you get paid. And the thing to remember about sales, if you're listening right now, it's not, I mean, salespeople make a lot of money. I had a friend in college 30 years ago, make a million bucks a year selling disk storage. And there's a lot of times sales is the highest paid position in any company, but you don't get paid usually if you're not sincere, if you're not really trying to listen and solve some problems. If you're pushing crap on people, 
you don't make the money. You got to be passionate about it. You got to be loving it. You got to look forward to helping these people in this sincere way because they can see it, right? They're not going to come back for more if they don't see that you, Jacob, are solving their problems. Yeah. For a lack of better terms, people will see through the bullshit. Yeah. You know, if you're just trying to be a sleazy salesman and not actually selling them a product that they need, then they're going to see through that. Um, sometimes you'll be able to make a sale, but I don't think that may, that doesn't make me feel good selling something that I don't even you know understand or I even think is worth buying. Yeah, because it's your definition of excellence. Yeah, you're not excellent unless you're proud of yourself. Exactly, that's the key. According to you, you got to be proud of yourself. And you know, you're you're back in the you're back in the grind. You're in the marketing role, and maybe marketing isn't your favorite thing. Um, but you need to know how to do it. You need to be good at it. You need to relate to it. So you then move into the account executive role. And then, and I'm just describing the process for people listening. And is this the process that your company you've got? You start off in the marketing role. You move out of that fast. You want to. Um, some people are going to stay in it forever because they love it. But that's a step to the account executive role where you're dealing with these executives that you now know how to relate to because of your experience and your degree and you know doing the marketing. And then the next role would be sales manager. And where does it go from there at iMatrix? There from iMatrix is just becoming more of like a sales manager, becoming the head of sales, um, that type of stuff. Other than that, I'm not too sure. So sales manager, VP of sales. Well, after that, my good buddy, you get to be the president. Yeah. You get to be the president. And then you don't have to go through the whole process of starting a business. You just get to move into the present role of iMatrix. I hope he's listening right now because we got a good candidate. And by the way, I don't know if this is sexual harassment because you don't work for me anymore, but I did just take a picture of you talking to me and sent it to my goddaughter, letting her know that you are super cool and single. Um, so who knows? Who knows what's going to happen here? So <laughs> how did you find out that you loved sales, though? How did you figure that out? especially through the times when maybe you weren't successful and didn't love it. When I first found out that I love sales is when I made that first deal. It was just really exciting getting that opportunity to like actually put pen to paper. There's really no better feeling to me. It's just like a hit of dopamine being able to have that that feeling of it's in the books, it's we're signing paper, you're giving me a check. That's where I knew when I knew that I first really liked it. And then continuing to do that, it's it's still just like a really great feeling being able to connect with that person and then being able to to know that, hey, I just made a new friend through business. Yeah. So my wife uh, was good at sales, but she hate she's the wrong personality type. She's if you if you listen to the disc episode, I think it's number four. I know you've done a disc test with me before. She's a CS, the opposite of sales. Um, she doesn't like the influence. She doesn't like to drive, but she was good at it, right? She was good at sales. And, you know, while she was doing it, you get that instant reward. It's like you get a close, you get a bigger deal. You're constantly getting rewarded for your effort with these little kind of check marks. Hey, you're doing a good job, Jacob. Hey, you're doing a good job, which is one of the cool parts of sales. Um, in other jobs, you know, my job, I just sit and talk on the phone all the time. Um, I actually, I, I get rewarded by the by, by talking to people like you, they're successful by the sparkle in their eyes. So I take it all back. I get rewarded all the time. But there is something cool about the result of sales. But really for you, it's not the check or the deposit. It's the, that's a symbol that you've done the 
most excellent job helping them. You've done the most excellent job matching your company's services with what they need. You've done the most excellent job explaining to them that this is going to change their business, right? Yeah. And the money is like how you said, a byproduct of the sales. It's one of those things where it's like instant gratification, you know, here and there. But then long term, it's knowing that you're making effect on these people's lives. You know, again, it's creating that network through College Works. You know, yeah, it was great, you know, meeting you and meeting you know Rob and all these different people that are the managers. But it was also really cool being able to, by the end of the project, having these connections with these you know family members and stuff like that. These single family homes that were paying their house. It's like, well, it's cool that now I can see them out in public and, and know that we have a good relationship. It's like, hey, he painted my house, but he's also a really cool guy. You better do a good job when you've been born and raised in that town and it's a small town because you're going to see him around and you know they're a cool guy and they know you're doing a good job. So, and one of my guests said, uh, you, your network is your net worth. You've touched all these people and just served them so well. Now they're advocates for you. They're stakeholders in your future. I'm a stakeholder in your future for all the time that we had together because I want to see you do well because of, you know, the values I see in my case, working with you, in their case, the value that you deliver to them. Yeah, I mean, that's actually a really great statement. You know, your network is also your net worth. Um, you know, without College Works, I wouldn't have been able to know all of these people and these really successful paths just because coming from a small town like Chico, there's not a lot of employment opportunities for people in their 20s. There's just realistically not unless you go into a family business. And I didn't want to have to do that. I wanted to make a name for myself before considering something like that. So, you know, coming from a small town, it's really it was really helpful being able to gain a network of people all across the country. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you have a, you have this life and it's not a long life because you just graduated from college, um, but you have this life of um, trying things out, looking to see how it aligns. Uh, finding what you like, delivering value, and then the hard work and the patience to get through the tough times, which makes me think of my favorite question. When you look way, way, way back, uh, what are, how old are you now? 25? 22. Oh, my God. You graduated from college early, too. Um, <laughs> when, you're, when you look, look way back on uh, you know, maybe in your teens or maybe even in your early 20s, what sacrifice do you remember making that you really thought was a sacrifice and you kind of thought about and maybe you weren't going to do it, but you did it and you don't you can't believe you're doing this because you're giving up something great and you look back and you go, thank God I did that. Yeah, what comes to mind is knowing that my friends who weren't doing internships, they were during the summer, especially, they're just hanging out, they're just drinking, they're just going to pool parties. But for me, it was, I never had the option to go and just hang out during the day. It's like, I have some work to do. And then I know I got to be up early, so I can't hang out at night either. You know, maybe they'll go to a house party at night. And of course, it sounds really fun. And of course, I wanted to be there, but I knew it was a sacrifice that I had to make. So I'd go and hang out with them for 30 minutes to an hour, two hours, whatever it is. But I wasn't going to, you know, yeah. get super drunk and then miss, you know, my appointment the next day at 7 a.m. That's a good, uh, good, not, I mean, it's a sacrifice, but it's a non-sacrifice because you balance. You don't have to go to the party for seven hours. Go for two. Yeah. Get your shit done. Exactly. It was like, hey, I can go still see my friends. They're just going to be hanging out for a little bit longer than me. And looking back at it, you know, 
do we really remember and we really cherish those experiences of hanging out all day, just not doing anything, sitting on the couch. But when I look back at it, it's, yeah, I missed those opportunities, but it's because I knew I was helping myself. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, you, you can't remember those times hanging out on the couch. Maybe there's one or two that you remember, but you remember the rejection. You remember the failure. You remember the deposit check. You remember the success. You remember the growth when you're doing something you, and it's productive. You remember it more than just another day at the party. And, and I hope that, you know, people hear that it's not a sacrifice. It's balance. Have you heard my story on that though? No, tell me. Okay, so I, I'm in Santa Barbara. I, I lived uh, across the street from the Sigma Chi house. And, you know, a bunch of my buddies were in the Sigma Chi house. And they used to give me so much crap. Stewie, what are you doing? Stewie, why are you working? Stewie, you're working all the time. And they would just hackle me. Now, that was when I came home from lunch for lunch because I had no money. So I had this crappy Subaru that I didn't even pay for. I worked for it. It was 400 for sale for 500 bucks. And I worked it off because I had no money. And I'd drive out and do my work, and I was pretty much sucking. And then I'd come back and I'd eat potatoes or noodles because that's all I could afford. And when I came back for lunch, because I couldn't afford to go to McDonald's or anything, um, I was just getting heckled by these guys. And there was this guy, Aaron, that would heckle me the most. He was a year older. He was from Laguna Beach. He had all the advantages in the world. He had money. His parents had money. He had connections. He'd say, Stewie, it doesn't matter what you know. It matters who you know. Why are you working so hard? Let's go drinking. And then I'd show up, you know, way later and I'd have to leave early. Why are you leaving, Stewie? Just giving me shit. And this one guy, Aaron, I didn't really like him, but he always stuck with me because he gave me the most shit. And when I was 29 years old, I had to go to the Surf and Sand Hotel down in Laguna Beach for this big entrepreneur's function. And I think I was president of the chapter at 29 years old, eventually global chairman at also a young age. And I pull up at the valet in my red convertible Ferrari that I had when I was 29 years old because I was doing what you were doing, working and kicking ass and sacrificing. And Aaron was the valet. And I get out and he's like, Stewie, what's up? And I was like, oh, my God, there's Aaron. And then we went into the like the before you go into the banquet room for the meal, there's the, the, the foyer where you're having drinks. And for some reason, he'd moved from the must have been short staff. Then he's working kind of as a bar back. And then the capper was I'm sitting having my meal and his arm comes to take my plate. And I said to my wife, I'm like, God, I'm so embarrassed about this. I feel so bad. And she's like, why are you embarrassed? Why are you? And I was so self-conscious. Uh, and I just I've never forgotten that the guys that were heckling me for trying to get ahead in life and the guys with all the connections weren't ahead in life. The guy came from New Mexico with nothing was because it doesn't matter what you know or who you know. It matters what you do with what you know and who you know. Exactly. And I mean, that must have been a pretty sweet feeling, you know, call it narcissism, call it whatever you want, but it's cool being able to be many years after that interaction with him, him giving you shit. And you're like, hey, look at me now. You doubted me. And this is why I was doing it. It was for this moment. The weird part, the weird part, it wasn't the cool moment. Like I said, I always wanted to rub it in people's faces back in the day. It wasn't a cool moment, but it was a real. I felt bad for the guy. And I felt like he had kind of, I mean, he was 30. Like he'd blown a few years. Um, it wasn't really a source of pride, but it did hit me that, okay, this thing about working and this thing about trying, and I have a lot of balance and I spend time with family and the community and all that. But 
how you do one thing is how you do everything. And that guy was screwing around all the time. And I, and I have a lot of fun and I screw around a lot, but I'm productive while I'm screwing out. Interesting. We have the same, the same story. And Jacob, I really appreciate you making time to come share the path to sales success, the path to finding a job, some of your insights. I appreciate all the great things you said about CollegeWorks as well. Thank you so much for coming on the Edge of Excellence. Thanks a lot, Matt. I had a lot of fun today. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on the Edge of Excellence podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to this. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this exact episode with them. This show exists to showcase what is possible when young leaders are willing to step out of their comfort zone and choose to excel in their lives. To learn more about our internship for young and ambitious students, www.oneinternship.com slash podcast to see if it's something that makes sense for you. Once again, it is www.oneinternship.com slash podcast. Let this be a reminder for you to live on the edge of excellence in your business and life. See you next time.